his way Fall to your knees, motherfucker Cause the devil gonna make you pay Motherfucker, he's on his way Hey guys, welcome back to Mountain Murders. I'm Heather. And I'm Dylan. Okay, Dylan. Are you ready? I am ready. There's no time to waste on this one. It's true. We have a great case for you today, but there is a lot of information, so many details. I mean, when I dig in, I really dig in. And you ran with this one. And this is a case that I'd not heard a whole lot about, but once I started researching, wow. There are just layers and layers, and I was, like, connecting the dots. You've seen that meme that's got Charlie from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Okay. Where he's, like, got a, build, uh, like a little uh, bulletin board, and he's got all these little strings connecting yeah. dots. That's what I felt like today. I felt <laughs> like Charlie. Yeah. You, did, you wouldn't even talk to me while I was at work, so let's just dive right in, because we don't even know if we can get this in one episode. We are going to dive right in, and I just wanted to quick mention, we have some awesome reviews we from do. some of our listeners that I promised we would include in our next episode. They're so we're amazing. we're going to read some of those here in a minute. I also want to give a shout out to our brand new patrons. We have Caitlin, and we also have Hannah. Wow. And Hannah stepped out at our highest level. Wow. Thank you, Caitlin and Hannah. Welcome to the family. I should also mention on Patreon, we have reworked the tiers and some of the benefits that are going to be available, especially if you're like at our top tier. So you might want to go check it out, patreon.com, look up Mountain Murders Podcast and find out more about all the great benefits. And we love our patrons. We sure do. Let's get started, Dylan. No time for dilly-dallying. Okay. Is your hair fixed? Well, I'm I, see you, I see you over there playing with it. You've clicked your pen enough. Are you Are you ready? Did yeah, you get your like fidgets out? Baby, you're not supposed to talk about this stuff. Well, <laughs> I see a mirror over your shoulder and I couldn't help it. I'm sorry. Do you but, hear this, folks? He's like Cardi B. He like, walks by a mirror and he's like, ooh, damn, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And yes, my pen is open. And I, I'm going to have to take notes. I'm sorry. I know you're not big on me doing anything over here. That's because people just don't see what you do when we're <laughs> trying true. to record. We're going to start doing some video for the patrons so oh they can God. get an inside look. I don't know if they can look. handle your ADD. You <laughs> make me nervous wreck. Oh, my God. Okay, so <laughs> I am ready. I'm ready with my notes and uh, no time to waste. Okay, in the 1970s and 80s, there were many unsolved abductions and murders. I saw you checking your fucking hair again. In the Will you stop? No, I got it out of my... I put it back in the normal place. I'm serious. I wasn't looking if in the mirror. Flip your hair one more time. I'm going to reach across this table and I'm going to take this pen. I'm going to click it and I'm going to stab it right in your eyeball. Oh my God, there's going to be a murder while the murder podcast is happening? Yeah. Holy shit, that'd be some dope-ass audio on the web. Yeah, I know. Are we ready? Yes, ma'am. Settle down. I'm ready. I will hurt you. Okay, in the 1970s and 80s... Dylan... I'm just fucking with you guys. Ha! <laughs> in the 70s and 80s, oh there were God. many unsolved abductions and murders in the central parts of Vermont and New Hampshire. Most victims were women of all ages and backgrounds, but they did seem to have one common tie. 
Oh, my gosh. Can you guess what that is? Besides being killed? They were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Oh, shit. Several of the murders are tied to a serial killer who's been nicknamed the Connecticut River Valley Killer. I've never heard anything about this when you told me about it. And the more you dig around up there in the Northeast, you find some really great cases up there. Now, New Hampshire is considered one of the safest places in the country. I bet if I ask you, Dylan, like, tell me your top 10 locations that you think would be super dangerous. I doubt New Hampshire would make it on that list. No. I doubt New Hampshire would make it into your top 50. No, a lot of those little states up there, would, you know, it just seems quiet and quaint, lots of countryside and not a whole lot of big, huge development. And maybe I don't know, but yeah, it would not be anywhere near my top 10. Well, these women were all vulnerable, believing that they were living in a place where it was fine to hitchhike, leave their doors open, leave their doors unlocked, speak to strangers. You know, it was just typical small town kind of living. Yeah, just go about your day, not not constantly worried or in a state in a state of hyper awareness like you might be in a you know major city or something like that. And at the time of our story, the word serial killer was foreign to the lives of everyday people in small towns until a killer or I like to say, killers, roamed the valley preying upon young women. But with the large number of female victims, I'm going to ask you guys to figure out for yourselves, was there one serial killer working the area, or was it just happenstance that these victims fell prey to multiple serial killers? Oh my God. Again, I'm going to let you guys decide. I got a lot of cases to go over here, a lot of murders. There's going to be a lot of information, a lot of names thrown at you. Yes. And especially you, Dylan, try to keep up. That's why I have my notepad and my trusty pen. The Connecticut River is the largest ecosystem in New England, spanning Connecticut, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, and Vermont. There are some small portions of Maine and Quebec, Canada that also have the Connecticut River flowing. For an outdoorsy person, this area is perfect. It's brimming with fish. Rainbow trout, Atlantic salmon, bass, winter flounder, blueback herring. There are 12 species of freshwater mussels native to this river. Wow, I guess if you like fresh caught do it yourself seafood, that's a damn place to live, huh? Or fish. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's not all. I don't even know. <laughs> freshwater, salt water, who gives a damn? Boating and camping are also available along the river. The Connecticut River Paddler's Trail includes 300 miles of campsites. Now, that sounds awesome. That's something I would like to actually try. We should take a trip. A little kayaking, maybe some canoeing. Yeah, definitely. Some fishing. Oh, yeah. Some fly fishing. Well, yeah, some of those fish sound really fun to catch. The first case we're going to discuss appeared as far back as January 29, 1969. And let me just add, I'm going to give you a few cases that haven't officially been considered part of the Connecticut River Valley Killers murder spree. Okay. But these cases, once I started digging, are very interesting. Similar? In some ways. Right. And and we'll talk more about that as we go. I'll let you know when we get to the start of the Connecticut River Valley Killers, like first what they consider his first case. Right. I'll let you know when that happens. But I want to tell you guys about these 
murders first. We're going back to January 29th, 1969, when 11-year-old Deborah Horn was last seen at her Allentown home. The brown-eyed girl had missed school on this day because she had fallen, gotten hurt. When her parents came home, the front door was wide open and Deborah was gone. She had taken nothing with her. The only thing her parents found was a studded snow tire track mark left in the driveway. Now that would kind of weird me out. Months later, three teenagers find her body stashed away in a 1952 Plymouth that had been abandoned in Sandown. And this was on August the 10th. Around the same time as Deborah's murder, two other girls had gone missing and were also found murdered. And this includes 15-year-old Joan Dunham. She had gone missing from Charlestown, New Hampshire on June 11, 1968. The next day, her body was found off a dirt road in Unity, New Hampshire. Now, Unity is a town you're going to want to tuck away and remember. Gonna reappear. She'd been sexually assaulted, strangled. Another teenager, 13-year-old Kathy Glotty, vanished from Franklin. Her body was found the next day off Webster Road, which was uh, like a wooded kind of area. She was sexually assaulted, but killed by blunt force trauma. The killer had also attempted to strangle her and ran her over with a car. Jesus, vicious. Yeah. A Jane Doe was found near Bedford on October 6, 1971. She may have been dead somewhere between one to three months when her body was finally discovered. She was estimated to be somewhere between 25 to 35 years old. She had brown hair, was wearing hip hugger cutoff shorts, sandals, and a pullover blouse. Her manner of death was undetermined, but it was believed she was the victim of homicide. She was discarded off a logging road in the woods. Yeah, it seems to be a bit of a pattern there. The next case that I thought was very interesting. September 4th, 1977, Jacqueline Snyder was visiting Portsmouth, New Hampshire with her father. She was a 22-year-old and a recent graduate of the University of Washington. She planned to move to New York City and pursue a career with the United Nations. Is this a girl who's aiming high? Yeah, some pretty big aspirations there. Smart, ambitious, she's got goals in mind. On this particular day, Schneider decided to venture off on her own and was last seen around 4 p.m. in the Strawberry Bank area of Portsmouth. Ten days later, her body was found in the woods near Lee, which is off Route 155. The cause of death was listed as a homicide, but at the time, investigators were unable to determine how exactly she was killed. Uh, body decomposed and things of that nature? This is going to mark the first case that is believed to be the start of the Connecticut River Valley killer's spree. The next victim? Yeah. Okay. But I wanted to kind of give you guys that background to show you that there was someone else seemingly operating in this area at the time. Yeah, there's five victims. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, I'm just, I'm like the sideline detective over here. But just looking at some of these cases, I feel like there is a bigger story here. Well, yeah, very well may be. The very first 
almost say CRVK victim. <laughs> oh my God, did you just give him a moniker? <laughs> October 24th, 1978. Kathy Milliken was a 26-year-old woman with brown hair and a slim physique, and she was out photographing birds at the Chandler Brook West Preserve in New London, New Hampshire. Kathy was from the area. She had been born in Newport, Seoul on May 25th, 1951. She was actually considered to be this very accomplished young woman hailed from a really good family. She attended Connecticut College, graduating in 1972. Kathy married a man named Charles Milliken, who qualified for the Olympic sailing trials in 1977. Wow. Right. Kathy was going places. Yeah. She seemed to have her life in order. And I bring this up because, as you'll find, many of these victims are well-respected, hardworking women, successful, great families. They're not runaways. Homeless. They're not runaways. Drug addicts. Yeah, exactly. Prostitutes, prostitutes. Sex workers. Right. I mean, these are just normal, everyday citizens. Nothing against any of those people we listed off in those circumstances, but it's just, it's quite different from your typical, maybe, Emma, uh, group that's preyed upon by these types of killers. Well, that just seems to be the demographic that most predators... Right. Unfortunately, because they are... Prey upon. Easy, forgotten people in our society that people should care about, but they don't. And it's also, as we all know, the, you know, not missed very quickly and things, which puts time and between them and the crime, which is always good to get away. Kathy worked for Addison Publishing, which was the last place she was seen before heading out to the Nature Preserve. The Wet Preserve is a 65-acre property with 2.9 miles of trails that follow a brook and surrounding field areas. It's a very popular spot. There's also an old farm with two large hay fields and a hemlock forest. This area is known for its excellent bird watching. I was going to say. Abundant bird life as well as wildflowers, woodland creatures, and it's also a really popular spot for horseback riding. So this was not an isolated place. This is a popular, well-traveled spot. Sounds like a great spot. I wish it was near me. Kathy was taking photos for the local chapter of the Audubon Society somewhere around 530. Well, when she failed to return home the following day, her body was found sprawled out only about 25 yards from where she was last spotted taking photos. Wow. She was stabbed 29 times, including wounds to the throat and her lower body. Her belongings were scattered along the trail, ruling out robbery as a motive. Her Volkswagen Rabbit was left in the parking area. Some witnesses reported seeing a gray car in the area around the time of Kathy's murder. Wow, that's a lot lot of stab wounds. So you're either going to have some kind of uh, a lot of rage. When investigators see that, they oftentimes think that it was personal, right? Or on top of that, you're very comfortable. It's not quick. It's not efficient. So yeah, that's pretty interesting. In a dark way that there's that many, you know, stab wounds to that so victim. like a frenzy killing. Yeah, definitely. And we'll get on to more of that here in a few minutes. Investigators were baffled. A $5,400 reward was offered for information that would lead to tips 
or, you know, an arrest, but nothing credible ever came of this. It was not until July 1981 that a second woman disappeared while hitchhiking. Her name was Mary Elizabeth Critchley, but she was known as Betsy. Last seen near exit 13 of the Massachusetts Turnpike near Framingham after she had visited a dentist. A friend had dropped Critchley off at the exit. She was a student at Antioch New England Graduate School in Keene, New Hampshire, with plans to hitchhike back to Waterbury, Vermont, sorry, where she had a roommate. She's living in Vermont, but she's attending graduate school and just hitchhiking. No big deal. She does this all the time. Yeah, still back in the day when that was just an easy way to get around if you didn't have a ride. The medical examiner was unable to determine the cause of death when her body was finally discovered on August 9th of 1981 in the woods off Unity Stage Road in Unity, New Hampshire. Oh, shit. Told you to keep that city in mind. Back in Unity. Woodcutters working in the area made the discovery, and they had to use dental records to identify her remains. She was 37 years old at the time of her death, and like Kathy, Betsy was from a good family. She grew up in Forestville, Connecticut, where her mother was a teacher focusing on special education. Betsy came from a large Catholic family. She had eight siblings. Her youngest sister, Casey, was born with Down syndrome, which was one reason why her mother had gone back to school to get a master's so she could teach special education. Her family was really active, as I mentioned, in the Catholic Church. They also had a singing group. Wow. The family did. And they appeared on the Ted Mack Show and the Arthur Godfrey Show. When Betsy's body was discovered, she was missing her sandals and a knapsack, but otherwise fully clothed. So you keep seeing these bodies turn up here. They're hidden so well. They are eventually discovered, but long after the fact. Valuable evidence, gone. DNA, certain, you know, as far as maybe the killer's DNA. I'm not sure exactly how that works. but. Yeah, that's someone seems like they know where to hide these damn bodies. Maybe not forever, but for a very long time. I should also mention this body was found in Sullivan County, New Hampshire, which is also where Kathy Milliken had resided in the same county. That's interesting. Very interesting. Next murder that we're going to get into. And now this one is not necessarily connected to the Connecticut River Valley killer. But again, it's one of these cases that makes me wonder if there weren't two serial killers operating. So Kathy Milligan and Betsy Critchley yeah. are yes. connected victims Those to are the, the first two known victims. Yeah, he's also known as the Valley Killer. We'll call him that. And the Kellysville Killer. Yeah, he had quite a few nicknames. Laura Kempton was an attractive 23-year-old aspiring model who was found dead in her Portsmouth apartment, a ground floor apartment located near downtown where she had an active social life. She was last seen leaving a bar called Ranger Club early one morning. Her body was discovered on September 21st, 1981. She'd been brutally bludgeoned to death with a heavy object. Laura was a student at Portsmouth Beauty School and was employed by Marco Polo Incorporated as well as Karen's Ice Cream Parlor. Laura was dating, but she didn't really have a steady boyfriend at the time of her death, which ruled out the possibility that it was, you know, like a boyfriend or right, a scorned or, lover. Or yeah, or like a, your spouse or what, yeah. Now, if you remember, 
Jacqueline Schneider, the visiting, vacationing, recent college grad, also found dead in Portsmouth. That's wow. There's a lot of yeah. I see why this drug you down that path. Honestly, less than a year later, twenty-year-old Tammy Little was found similarly beaten to death in her ground-floor apartment near downtown Portsmouth. From what I understand, an officer had gone to her apartment to speak with her about some unpaid parking tickets and stumbled upon this grisly crime scene. Little, like Kempton, was also studying to be a cosmetologist attending the Portsmouth Beauty School. Tammy was last seen returning home from a concert in Boston, entering into her apartment alone. She was active socially and known in the area, much like Laura Kempton. Authorities believe there were too many similarities between Kempton and Little and that they must have been killed by the same person. Well, yeah. I mean, that, that sounds rather, rather similar. She was also a regular at the Ranger Club and had photographs taken in hopes of finding some modeling opportunities, same as Laura Kempton. Damn! On May 30th of 1982, an elderly woman named Sylvia Gray was found in the woods a short distance from her home in Plainfield, New Hampshire. Her body was thrown down an embankment, and the autopsy revealed that she'd been badly beaten and stabbed. Sylvia was a widow. Her husband, Harvey Gray, had died only five years earlier. On this day, she had finished a tea party at her home with three friends. After the tea party, she walked to the post office, which was roughly five minutes away, and returned home with her mail. Later, her sister was unable to reach her by phone, kept calling her, misspoke regularly, ended up reporting her missing. Sylvia was known to wear a five-carat diamond ring, which was missing off her finger. And this was the only difference from the other cases. Is right. that This is an item that was noticeably gone. Right. And there had been no robbery in any of the other murders. So they were basically Betsy found. Critchley, I mean, her sandals and backpack were missing. But, I mean, hey, this is a five-carat diamond ring. Yeah. That's a, well, that's, that's a little different, different motive there, maybe just purely for money. And if Sylvia's murderer is connected to a serial killer, they like to take trophies. Well, that's true. And we don't know. Maybe there were some unknown little trinkets taken from the other victim that people didn't realize. I mean, that could be possible. On May 20th, 1984, the body of All-American Girl, that's what she was described as in the local newspaper, Heidi Martin, was found after she'd gone for a jog in Heartland, Vermont. The sophomore track team member's body was found in a small stream off a logging road near Heartland Elementary School. She had been raped and also stabbed in the neck and abdomen area, which was a very similar calling card of the other two victims. The stabbing in the neck and in the abdomen area. My God, it's a lot of victims. I know. Whew, my head's swimming. Now, some list Heidi Martin.